chapter twenty one of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter twenty one narrative of allan fairford our readers may recollect that fairford had been conducted by dick gardiner from the house of fair ladies to the inn of old father crackenthorpe in order as he had been informed by the mysterious father bonaventure that he might have the meeting which he desired with mr redgauntlet to treat with him for the liberty of his friend darcy his guide by the special direction of mr ambrose had introduced him into the public-house by a back door and recommended to the landlord to accommodate him with a private apartment and to treat him with all civility but in other respects to keep his eye on him and even to secure his person if he saw any reason to suspect him to be a spy he was not however subjected to any direct restraint but was ushered into an apartment where he was requested to await the arrival of the gentleman with whom he wished to have an interview and who as crackenthorpe assured him with a significant nod would be certainly there in the course of an hour in the meanwhile he recommended to him with another significant sign to keep his apartment as there were people in the house who were apt to busy themselves about other folks matters alan fairford complied with the recommendation so long as he thought it reasonable but when among a large party riding up to the house he discerned redgauntlet whom he had seen under the name of mr harry's of burns work and whom by his height and strength he easily distinguished from the rest he thought it proper to go down to the front of the house in hopes that by more closely reconnoitring the party he might discover if his friend darcy was among them the reader is aware that by doing so he had an opportunity of breaking darcy's fall from his side-saddle although his disguise and mask prevented his recognizing his friend it may be also recollected that while nixon hurried miss redgauntlet and her brother into the house their uncle somewhat chafed at an unexpected and inconvenient interruption remained himself in parley with fairford who had already successively addressed him by the names of harry's and redgauntlet neither of which any more than the acquaintance of the young lawyer he seemed at the moment willing to acknowledge though an air of haughty indifference which he assumed could not conceal his vexation and embarrassment if we must needs be acquainted sir he said at last for which i am unable to see any necessity especially as i am now particularly disposed to be private i must entreat you will tell me at once what you have to say and permit me to attend to matters of more importance my introduction said fairford is contained in this letter delivering that of maxwell i am convinced that 
under whatever name it may be your pleasure for the present to be known it is into your hands and yours only that it should be delivered redgauntlet turned the letter in his hand then read the contents then again looked upon the letter and sternly observed the seal of the letter has been broken was this the case sir when it was delivered into your hand fairford despised a falsehood as much as any man unless perhaps as tom turnpenny might have said in the way of business he answered readily and firmly the seal was whole when the letter was delivered to me by mr maxwell of summertrees and did you dare sir to break the seal of a letter addressed to me said redgauntlet not sorry perhaps to pick a quarrel upon a point foreign to the tenor of the epistle i have never broken the seal of any letter committed to my charge said allan not from fear of those to whom such letter might be addressed but from respect to myself that is well worded said redgauntlet and yet young mr counsellor i doubt whether your delicacy prevented your reading my letter or listening to the contents as read by some other person after it was opened i certainly did hear the contents read over said fairford and they were such as to surprise me a good deal now that said redgauntlet i hold to be pretty much the same in foro conscientiae as if you had broken the seal yourself i shall hold myself excused from entering upon further discourse with a messenger so faithless and you may thank yourself if your journey has been fruitless stay sir said fairford and know that i became acquainted with the contents of the paper without my consent i may even say against my will for mr buonaventure who demanded redgauntlet in a wild and alarmed manner whom was it you named father buonaventure said allan a catholic priest as i apprehend whom i saw at the mrs arthuret's house called fairladies mrs arthuret fairladies a catholic priest father buonaventure said redgauntlet repeating the words of allan with astonishment is it possible that human rashness can reach such a point of infatuation tell me the truth i conjure you sir i have the deepest interest to know whether this is more than an idle legend picked up from hearsay about the country you are a lawyer and know the risk incurred by the catholic clergy whom the discharge of their duty sends to these bloody shores i am a lawyer certainly said fairford but my holding such a respectable condition in life warrants that i am neither an informer nor a spy here is sufficient evidence that i have seen father buonaventure he put buonaventure's letter into redgauntlet's hand and watched his looks closely while he read it double-dyed infatuation he muttered with looks in which sorrow displeasure and anxiety were mingled save me from the indiscretion of my friends 
says the spaniard i can save myself from the hostility of my enemies he then read the letter attentively and for two or three minutes was lost in thought while some purpose of importance seemed to have gathered and sit brooding upon his countenance he held up his finger towards his satellite crystal nixon who replied to his signal with a prompt nod and with one or two of the attendants approached fairford in such a manner as to make him apprehensive they were about to lay hold of him at this moment a noise was heard from within side of the house and presently rushed forth peter peebles pursued by nanty ewart with his drawn hanger and the worthy quaker who was endeavouring to prevent mischief to others at some risk of bringing it on himself a wilder and yet a more absurd figure can hardly be imagined than that of poor peter clattering along as fast as his huge boots would permit him and resembling nothing so much as a flying scarecrow while the thin emaciated form of nanty ewart with the hue of death on his cheek and the fire of vengeance glancing from his eye formed a ghastly contrast with the ridiculous object of his pursuit red gauntlet threw himself between them what extravagant folly is this he said put up your weapon captain is this a time to indulge in drunken brawls or is such a miserable object as that a fitting antagonist for a man of courage i beg pardon said the captain sheathing his weapon i was a little bit out of the way to be sure but to know the provocation a man must read my heart and that i hardly dare to do myself but the wretch is safe from me heaven has done its own vengeance on us both while he spoke in this manner peter peebles who had at first crept behind red gauntlet in bodily fear began now to reassume his spirits pulling his protector by the sleeve mr harry's mr harry's he whispered eagerly ye have done me more than one good turn and if ye will do me another at this dead pinch i'll forgive the girded keg of brandy that you and captain sir harry red gimlet drank out yon time ye shall have an ample discharge and renunciation and though i should see you walking at the cross of edinburgh or standing at the bar of the court of judiciary no the very thumbikins themselves should bring to my memory that ever i saw you in arms yon day he accompanied this promise by pulling so hard at red gauntlet's cloak that he at last turned round idiot speak in a word what you want a well a well in a word then said peter peebles i have a warrant on me to apprehend that man that stands there allan fairford by name and advocate by calling i brought it from master justice foxley's clerk master nicholas faggot with the guinea that you give me ha said red gauntlet hast thou really such a warrant let me see it look sharp that no one escape crystal nixon 
peter produced a huge greasy leathern pocket-book too dirty to permit its original colour to be visible filled with scrolls of notes memorials to counsel and heaven knows what besides from amongst this precious mass he culled forth a paper and placed it in the hands of red gauntlet or harry's as he continued to call him saying at the same time it's a formal and binding warrant proceeding on my affidavit made that the said allan fairford being lawfully engaged in my service had slipped the tether and fled over the border and was now lurking there and thereabouts to elude and evite the discharge of his bounden duty to me and therefore granting warrant to constables and others to seek for take and apprehend him that he may be brought before the honourable justice foxley for examination and if necessary for commitment now though this all be fairly set down as i tell ye yet where am i to get an officer to execute this warrant in sick a country as this where swords and pistols flee out at a word speaking and folk care as little for the peace of king george as the peace of old king cole there's that drunken skipper and that wet quaker enticing me into the public this morning and because i wouldna give them as much brandy as would have made them blind drunk they both fell on me and were in the way of guiding me very ill while peter went on in this manner red gauntlet glanced his eye over the warrant and immediately saw that it must be a trick passed by nicholas faggot to cheat the poor insane wretch out of his solitary guinea but the justice had actually subscribed it as he did whatever his clerk presented to him and redgauntlet resolved to use it for his own purposes without making any direct answer therefore to peter peebles he walked up gravely to fairford who had waited quietly for the termination of a scene in which he was not a little surprised to find his client mr peebles a conspicuous actor mr fairford said redgauntlet there are many reasons which might induce me to comply with the request or rather the injunctions of the excellent father bonaventure but i should communicate with you upon the present condition of my ward whom you know under the name of darcy latimer but no man is better aware than you that the law must be obeyed even in contradiction to our own feelings now this poor man has obtained a warrant for carrying you before a magistrate and i am afraid there is a necessity of your yielding to it although to the postponement of the business which you may have with me a warrant against me said allan indignantly and at that poor miserable wretch's instance why this is a trick a mere and most palpable trick it may be so replied redgauntlet with great equanimity doubtless you know best only the writ appears regular and with that respect for the law which has been he said 
with hypocritical formality a leading feature of my character through life i cannot dispense with giving my poor aid to the support of a legal warrant look at it yourself and be satisfied it is no trick of mine fairford ran over the affidavit and the warrant and then exclaimed once more that it was an impudent imposition and that he would hold those who acted upon such a warrant liable in the highest damages i guess at your motive mr redgauntlet he said for acquiescing in so ridiculous a proceeding but be assured you will find that in this country one act of illegal violence will not be covered or atoned for by practising another you cannot as a man of sense and honour pretend to say you regard this as a legal warrant i am no lawyer sir said redgauntlet and pretend not to know what is or is not law the warrant is quite formal and that is enough for me did ever any one hear said fairford of an advocate being compelled to return to his task like a collier or a salter who has deserted his master i see no reason why he should not said redgauntlet dryly unless on the ground that the services of the lawyer are the most expensive and least useful of the two you cannot mean this in earnest said fairford you cannot really mean to avail yourself of so poor a contrivance to evade the word pledged by your friend your ghostly father in my behalf i may have been a fool for trusting it too easily but think what you must be if you can abuse my confidence in this manner i entreat you to reflect that this usage releases me from all promises of secrecy or connivance at what i am apt to think are very dangerous practices and that hark ye mr fairford said redgauntlet i must here interrupt you for your own sake one word of betraying what you may have seen or what you may have suspected and your seclusion is like to have either a very distant or a very brief termination in either case a most undesirable one at present you are sure of being at liberty in a very few days perhaps much sooner and my friend said ellen fairford for whose sake i have run myself into this danger what is to become of him dark and dangerous man he exclaimed raising his voice i will not be again cajoled by deceitful promises i give you my honour that your friend is well interrupted redgauntlet and perhaps i may permit you to see him if you will but submit with patience to a fate which is inevitable but allan fairford considering his confidence as having been abused first by maxwell and next by the priest raised his voice and appealed to all the king's lieges within hearing against the violence with which he was threatened he was instantly seized on by nixon and two assistants who holding down his arms and endeavouring to stop his mouth were about to hurry him away 
the honest quaker who had kept out of red gauntlet's presence now came boldly forward friend said he thou dost more than thou canst answer thou knowest me well and thou art aware that in me thou hast a deeply injured neighbour who was dwelling beside thee in the honesty and simplicity of his heart tush jonathan said red gauntlet talk not to me man it is neither the craft of a young lawyer nor the simplicity of an old hypocrite can drive me from my purpose by my faith said the captain coming forward in his turn this is hardly fair general and i doubt he added whether the will of my owners can make me a party to such proceedings nay never fumble with your sword-hilt but out with it like a man if you are for a tilting he unsheathed his hanger and continued i will neither see my comrade fairford nor the old quaker abused damn all warrants false or true curse the justice confound the constable and here stands little nanty ewart to make good what he says against gentle and simple in spite of horseshoe or horseradish either the cry of down with all warrants was popular in the ears of the militia of the inn and nanty ewart was no less so fishers ostlers seamen smugglers began to crowd to the spot crackenthorpe endeavoured in vain to mediate the attendants of red gauntlet began to handle their firearms but their master shouted to them to forbear and unsheathing his sword as quick as lightning he rushed on ewart in the midst of his bravado and struck his weapon from his hand with such address and force that it flew three yards from him closing with him at the same moment he gave him a severe fall and waved his sword over his head to show he was absolutely at his mercy there you drunken vagabond he said i give you your life you are no bad fellow if you could keep from brawling among your friends but we all know nanty ewart he said to the crowd around with a forgiving laugh which joined to the awe his prowess had inspired entirely confirmed their wavering allegiance they shouted the laird for ever while poor nanty rising from the earth on whose lap he had been stretched so rudely went in quest of his hanger lifted it wiped it and as he returned the weapon to the scabbard muttered between his teeth it is true they say of him and the devil will stand his friend till his hour come i will cross him no more so saying he slunk from the crowd cowed and disheartened by his defeat for you joshua geddes said red gauntlet approaching the quaker who with lifted hands and eyes had beheld the scene of violence i shall take the liberty to arrest thee for a breach of the peace altogether unbecoming thy pretended principles and i believe it will go hard with thee both in a court of justice and among thine own society of friends as they call themselves who will be but indifferently pleased to see the quiet tenor of their hypocrisy insulted 
by such violent proceedings ay violent said joshua i do aught unbecoming the principles of the friends i defy thee man and i charge thee as a christian to forbear vexing my soul with such charges it is grievous enough to me to have seen violences which i was unable to prevent oh joshua joshua said redgauntlet with a sardonic smile thou light of the faithful in the town of dumfries and the places adjacent wilt thou thus fall away from the truth hast thou not before us all attempted to rescue a man from the warrant of law didst thou not encourage that drunken fellow to draw his weapon and did thou not thyself flourish thy cudgel in the cause thinkest thou that the oaths of the injured peter peebles and the conscientious crystal nixon besides those of such gentlemen as look on this strange scene who not only put on swearing as a garment but to whom in custom-house matters oaths are literally meat and drink dost thou not think i say that these men's oaths will go further than thy yea and nay in this matter i will swear to anything said peter all is fair when it comes to an oath ad litem you do me foul wrong said the quaker undismayed by the general laugh i encouraged no drawing of weapons though i attempted to move an unjust man by some use of argument i brandished no cudgel although it may be that the ancient adam struggled within me and caused my hand to grasp mine oaken staff firmer than usual when i saw innocence borne down with violence but why talk i what is true and just to thee who hast been a man of violence from thy youth upwards let me rather speak to thee such a language as thou canst comprehend deliver these young men up to me he said when he had led redgauntlet a little apart from the crowd and i will not only free thee from the heavy charge of damages which thou hast incurred by thine outrage upon my property but i will add ransom for them and for myself what would it profit thee to do the youths wrong by detaining them in captivity mr geddes said redgauntlet in a tone more respectful than he had hitherto used to the quaker your language is disinterested and i respect the fidelity of your friendship perhaps we have mistaken each other's principles and motives but if so we have not at present time for explanation make yourself easy i hope to raise your friend darcy latimer to a pitch of eminence which you will witness with pleasure nay do not attempt to answer me the other young man shall suffer restraint a few days probably only a few hours it is not more than due for his pragmatical interference in what concerned him not do you mr geddes be so prudent as to take your horse and leave this place which is growing every moment more unfit for the abode of a man of peace you may wait the event in safety at mount sharon 
friend replied joshua i cannot comply with thy advice i will remain here even as thy prisoner as thou didst but now threaten rather than leave the youth who hath suffered by and through me and my misfortunes in his present state of doubtful safety wherefore i will not mount my steed solomon neither will i turn his head towards mount sharon until i see an end of this matter a prisoner then you must be said redgauntlet i have no time to dispute the matter further with you but tell me for what you fix your eyes so attentively on yonder people of mine to speak the truth said the quaker i admire to behold among them a little wretch of a boy called benjie to whom i think satan has given the power of transporting himself wheresoever mischief is going forward so that it may be truly said there is no evil in this land wherein he hath not a finger if not a whole hand the boy who saw their eyes fixed on him as they spoke seemed embarrassed slid rather desirous of making his escape but at a signal from redgauntlet he advanced assuming the sheepish look and rustic manner with which the jackanapes covered much acuteness and roguery how long have you been with the party sirrah said redgauntlet since the raid on the stake-nets said benjie with his finger in his mouth and what made you follow us i daredna stay at home for the constables replied the boy and what have you been doing all this time doing sir i dinna ken what ye call doing i have been doing nothing said benjie then seeing something in red gauntlet's eye which was not to be trifled with he added nothing but waiting on master crystal nixon hum ay indeed muttered red gauntlet must master nixon bring his own retinue into the field this must be seen to he was about to pursue his inquiry when nixon himself came to him with looks of anxious haste the father is come he whispered and the gentlemen are getting together in the largest room of the house and they desire to see you yonder is your nephew too making a noise like a man in bedlam i will look to it all instantly said redgauntlet is the father lodged as i directed crystal nodded then for the final trial said redgauntlet he folded his hands looked upwards crossed himself and after this act of devotion almost the first which any one had observed him make use of he commanded nixon to keep good watch have his horses and men ready for every emergence look after the safe custody of the prisoners but treat them at the same time well and civilly and these orders given he darted hastily into the house End of chapter twenty one